Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Dealing with the topic of patience. Anybody struggle with patience? We live in this instantaneous society where you program a coffee maker so that it's ready for you to take your first sip as soon as your foot hits the floor. We don't want to wait for anything. But, you know, that's not really God's way. Allow me to read this passage. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your heart, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the Lord judge. The judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering, in patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, open our hearts to the truths of your word today. Lord, help us to understand that patience is a virtue, that it is a gift that actually comes from you. And, Lord, that we struggle with patience because we, Lord, struggle with faith. Lord, help us to know your love for us. Help us to understand your presence in our lives and your power. And help us to depend on you so that we can live life in a way that brings honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, getting close to the end of James. We're not quite there yet, but just kind of a, as a general reminder where we have been. James is talking about how we live out our faith. And he began by showing us how we deal with our trials and our temptations. Very first part, James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. He basically said, you know, if you encounter trials and you will encounter trials, here's what you do. You ask for my wisdom, pray and ask for my wisdom, and I will give it to you exceedingly without holding anything back. I want you to understand how I want, you to guide, I want to guide you through the trials of life. Then he dealt with temptation, James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. We face the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the, the boastful pride of life. We face all of Satan's temptations. And God tells us there is no temptation but is common to man. And that God has that power to give us the ability to overcome that temptation. So we look and we see that God again wants us to turn to him when we face the trials and the temptations of life. And so we looked, James even dealt with how we treat each other, whether or not we show bias towards others. Like he said, do not you know, turn towards your, those who are rich and ignore the poor. 
And he also says, how do you speak towards each other? James chapter 4, verse 11 says, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. So basically, James has been talking about how do we live out our faith? How do we deal with the trials and the temptations that come pretty much every day of our lives? Well, the basic answer is to turn to God. Now, here he is kind of shifting gears just a little bit. He's saying, we as Christians, we as brethren, we struggle with an issue. What happens when somebody mistreats us? What happens when somebody mistreats us, persecutes us, just simply because we are a child of God? Well, as a human, our first response is, I want to get even. I want revenge. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We want revenge when somebody does something harmful to us or to our family or to our brethren. But God says otherwise. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Then he kind of repeats it over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. For we know him who says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. So what are we as Christians supposed to do when we're wronged, when we don't think that we're being treated fairly, when somebody persecutes us simply because of what we believe? Well, here's what Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 says, when Jesus shares this as on the Sermon on the Mount. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do you see something absent there? Revenge, getting even. So we as Christians must be different from the world around us. We must allow God himself to work on our behalf. And that leads us to this passage. Therefore, be patient, brethren. Be patient when others don't treat you the way that you want to be treated. Be patient when things are not going quite right in your life. Be patient. That word patient can also be translated as long-suffering. And long-suffering basically means suffering for a long time. Many times we find ourselves going through a period of life where it just doesn't seem like things are getting any better. But basically, long-suffering is going through life realizing you know, the problems I face may not end quickly. They might not end at all. For those who are going through physical suffering, cancer, things of this nature, we may not see an end until we end up in God's presence. But long-suffering is sometimes realizing that, you know, God's with me no matter what happens. He loves me. He's going to care for me. He's going to take care of my needs. And so long-suffering is understanding that even if I'm persecuted falsely, God's in control. So it may be trite to sound, say this, but the Bible tells us to focus on this fact. The coming of the Lord is near. The coming of the Lord is near. You know, we read those passages that were written 2,000 years ago that the Lord is near. The day of judgment is coming. We say... 
guess God got his calendar mixed up. Maybe he came and we didn't know it. Maybe he's not going to come at all. God's calendar is not mixed up. He has the date set. He knows all things. He is all present. There is no time in his presence. He is eternal. We struggle to understand that. But God, if you come on Wednesdays, you'll understand a little bit better because we're dealing with the book of Revelation where God is dealing with that end time where his judgment is coming. And so we look and we see that we need to trust that God is in control and that there will be a day that comes where he will bring justice to all. So we're going to be persecuted as Christians. At least we should be. According to the word of God, we need to be persecuted. We need to actually suffer for the cause of Christ. Let me just share some things. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Did you hear something in there? And the fellowship of his suffering. Who's Paul talking about? He's saying we, as Christians ought to share in the suffering of Christ. We ought to share in the suffering of Christ. Paul obviously did. Most of the first century Christians did. Then in Matthew, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Take up your cross. What did Jesus do when he took up his cross? He died for our sins. He suffered immensely on our behalf. He's telling us that we need to take up our cross, be willing to suffer for the cause of Christ. So as we suffer, to whatever degree that God allows, we need to be patient. Then we look and we see an illustration that James gives. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until he gets the early and the late rains. Most farmers today, they basically put something out to kill the weeds off, put the seed in the ground, and within weeks or, or so, there's things sprouting out, and a crop comes up, and within months, the crop is harvested. But in the days of James writing this, especially with weed and barley, what they would do is, in that arid country, there were basically two seasons where it would rain. In the fall, it would typically have a season of rain, and this would make the soil soft enough to plow and to, uh, to penetrate with seed, and they would plant their seed in the softened soil in the fall. And the seed would basically lay dormant in the ground through the winter. And then in the early spring, another round of rains would come, and the temp- temperatures would be warm enough and the water would penetrate down to the seeds, and they would germinate and spring forth. And then later, they would have the harvest. We don't think about planting seeds ahead of time, waiting for months before we saw a harvest. But that's what James is talking about, patience. Can you imagine planting seed in the fall and waiting months and months and months, hoping and waiting for that spring shower to penetrate the soil, to give moisture to the seed, 
for it to germinate and spring forth and bring forth a harvest. Do you know how much could happen between those months? The seed could rot. Something could go down and eat the seed. The spring rains may not come to help the, the seed to germinate. If a farmer doesn't have trust in his Lord, they could die of worry. But instead, he says, be patient, just like the farmer, waiting for that seed to spring forth, and then comes the harvest. And so we look and we see, how does this relate to Christians? We as Christians need to look forward to a spiritual harvest. We're supposed to be living our lives planting seeds. I've always thought about, you know, just carrying a bag of seed with you. And basically it's a never-ending bag of seed. In other words, no matter how much you stroll out, there's always more to give. And we need to, as Christians, be going through the world sowing seed, spiritual seed, the seed of the gospel. And we need to be sharing the gospel, the love of Christ, our own personal testimonies, wherever we go. And then we need to be patient. Because God does not always bring an instant reward. Many times we may not even see the reward. The Bible says that Paul planted, Paul is watered, but God brings forth the fruit. And that may be our case. We may share the gospel. We may share a personal testimony. We may share a, a simple uh, retelling of a daily devotion that, that touched our heart to somebody. And that opened up their hearts to the Lord. We may never know how a simple seed of faith that's planted in the life of another may one day bring forth a harvest. But we need to be patient, trusting God so that he can be the one who oversees the harvest. I think many Christians today say it's useless for me to even share my testimony. It's useless for me to share the gospel, the plan of salvation, because I never see any results. That's beside the point. What we need to be doing is seeing ourselves as this farmer who plants the seed in the fall and does not see the harvest till the spring. May not even see the harvest then. Only God brings forth a harvest. You and I have absolutely no ability to save someone. God can use us to lead them to salvation, but it's simply the seeds that we plant that are important. That's why we must strengthen our hearts we must know in our hearts that God is the one in control, that he is the one that takes whatever he uses us to do, sharing the gospel, sharing a plan of salvation, sharing our personal testimony, just sharing a, a daily devotion, inviting someone to church so they can hear the word of God, whatever it may be. God is the one who will bring forth the harvest. Did you know that we as Christians are not supposed to be just idly sitting around? What did the farmers do after they planted the seed in the fall? You think they just sat around, twiddled their thumbs until the spring? No, that's when they prepared their tools. They made sure that their instruments were sharpened, that they were ready for the harvest. They didn't wait till the everything was ripe, ready for harvest, to say, 
Oh, my, my blade's too dull. I can't, can't reap. No, they spent the time preparing for the harvest. Well, what about us Christians? Are we just to sit idly by and wait for that day that we die and go to be with the Lord? No. See, we have our own harvest. God wants to welcome us into his heaven. But he's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, if we've done nothing. We need to be actively involved in the cause of Christ. So how do we strengthen our heart? Well, simply, we spend that intimate time with God in prayer. We open our heart to the truths of his word as we read, study, meditate on his word, the Bible. We do it as we witness what God is doing in the world around us, and we give him praise and honor and glory for what he does. So just like the farmer who doesn't just sit idly by, we need to be actively pursuing what God would have us to do. Then he also says, need to stay positive. You know, we go through life, and when things aren't going our way, when we're being attacked, when something is not going right, we have this tendency to complain a little bit, maybe even attack somebody else and blame them for what we're going through. But verse 9 says, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Stay positive. Don't fight against one another. Don't complain. If we as Christians resort to complaining, accusing others, we're basically no better than the rest of the world. The rest of the world look at us and say, what's different between you and me? When things aren't going your way, you complain about it, you attack others. That's what we do. Matter of fact, you do it worse than we do sometimes. No, we need to be patient. We need to trust in the Lord. Then he actually gives us two different examples. Beginning in verse 10, he talks about the prophets. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Have you ever done much of a study on the prophets? You would think that they would be the most famous loved people in the world because they were the spokespeople of God. When they opened their, their mouths, they were actually speaking the word of God. Wouldn't they be the top of the cream of the crop? No. See, people did not like what they heard when they heard the word of God. Do you know why? Because when the prophet spoke, they spoke condemnation against the sinfulness of the nation. They said, you are not living up to God's standard. You are not being obedient to his will. They did not like what they heard from the prophets. And so they persecuted the prophets. They did all that they could to hush them up. They would find false prophets to listen to because they would tickle their ears. They would like to hear what they had to say. And they would reject the true prophets of God. So when he says, look at the patience of the prophets. They spoke and then they receive what was not supposed to come to them, suffering, rejection, persecution, and yet God blessed them. We count those blessed who endured. 
And then he gives us another illustration. Job. When's the last time you studied the book of Job? A lot of people don't like to study the book of Job because they feel like they go through a major trial when they do, just like Job. Maybe it's God's way of saying, okay, if you're going to study about Job and his patience, maybe you need to learn patience yourself. Can you put yourself in Job's situation? Satan and God had this conversation. Satan says, Job really would not worship you like he does if some of the things that he has were taken away. So, his children were taken away. His wealth, his livestock were taken away. Job's own health was taken away. And yet he continued to place his faith in God. Even when his wife said, why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? Even when his three friends came and said, Job, you've done something terribly wrong to be going through this ordeal. There's something wrong with you spiritually. But we find out, yeah, Job had some problems. But he said, Lord, my life is in your hands. I brought nothing into this world. I'll take nothing out. You are my God. And through patience, God showed him his compassion and restored all that Job had lost. And so we look and we see that God wants us to find patience in him. When we live in this day and age, patience is harder and harder to come by because we do live in an instantaneous society. If we want to find out what's happening in any part of the world, we just turn on the television or go online and we can find information about anything, good or bad. Like I said, we have microwaves to heat up food in an instant. We program a coffee maker to have coffee ready when we get up. We love instantaneous things. We don't like to wait for anything. Coming out of our subdivision, there's one traffic light. No matter if any traffic's coming in any direction, it stays red for us for seems like about five minutes. It is long. You really get tempted to run it. And you go, why can't they program this thing where if they know that I'm sitting here and there's nothing coming this way, why can't I go ahead and go? Why can't it change for me? It's called the lack of patience. So we love instantaneous gratification. You know what? That's not the way of God. God often tells us to wait. Do what I say, be obedient, and then wait for my outcome and not yours. And so what God is saying through James is, trust me. Trust in me. Be patient. I am in control. There is something about God that we really do struggle with. God is truly in control, and he always has been, and he always will be. We look and we see 
how is our faith? How deep is our faith? How much are we willing to be patient with God? What happens when somebody persecutes us, doesn't treat us fairly, simply because we're a Christian? Well, to be honest with you, most of us don't know, because we live in probably one of the safest places in the entire world to be a Christian. It's going to be a rare situation unless you really, really, really get out there and broadcast the love of Christ to the entire world around you. It's a rarity for any of us to find any persecution because of our faith. Y'all do understand that's not the case even in the United States. You go up to the New England states, you go out west, and you try to be a born-again Christian, you broadcast your faith in Christ, and you're more than likely going to find some persecution. Then you go into some of these other countries that are close to the gospel, where it is illegal to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're caught either sharing the gospel, distributing Bibles, you can and probably will be arrested, put into a hard labor camp, and you might survive for a year or two. We don't like to think about that, do we? That there are actually people who are so strong in their faith that they're willing to die for their faith. But that's the reality. And God is blessing them. It's called a martyr's death. Dying because of your faith. There again, if you come on Wednesdays and we study this book of Revelation, you find out that God has a special place for the martyrs. Those who died for their faith. Now I'm not saying we need to rush out and find some way to die for our faith. I believe that God has us right here for a reason. But what is that reason? Are we being faithful to God? Are we being faithful in our service to Him? Are we being faithful in living out our faith? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you thanking you for the truth of your word, even if it's difficult for us to accept. Lord, patience truly is a virtue. It's a gift from you. Lord, it's not a gift that we readily accept because, Lord, we live in an instantaneous society and we want things when we want it on our timetable. Lord, help us to trust you and to trust that as we live in obedience to you that your good and acceptable and perfect will will be done even if we may not even see the end result. Lord, help us to have patience Help us also to trust you when we are attacked, when things are not going our way, when we feel mistreated, abused. Lord, you're the only wise judge. You are the only righteous one. You are the only one fit to judge others. But Lord, whenever it is your time to judge, you will judge fairly. You will judge according to your will. Help us to trust in your judgment. Lord, today, help us to live in such a way that, Lord, we would dare to suffer for Christ. That we would not be worried about any form of persecution because, Lord, we know that we're being obedient and that's all that matters. May we be bold in our faith 
living it out day by day, sharing whatever you place on our hearts with those around us that need to hear it most. May we be found faithful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.